One of the most requested questions amongst my friends is how do you get into remote work or how do you get into freelancing? This topic has been on the rise for several years now because many people are reconsidering their careers, whether they want to work on something they're more passionate about or their current career doesn't grant them a lifestyle that they would like. And in recent weeks, I've tried to find guests that have done this, whether through graphic design, copywriting, email marketing, content creation, video editing, and so on. This week's guest is Moatz Ahmed, who is a freelance graphic designer who works when he wants and for clients he wants. If you're interested in getting into content creation, I'll leave a bunch of different links down below with other guests I've had that are in the space. If you're interested in getting into video editing, I've also interviewed the editor of this podcast, so I will leave episode 71 as well down below. In the upcoming months, I hope to have more guests that are working in these types of spaces, email marketing, copywriting, blog writing, and so on, so it can help as many people as possible potentially switch careers and find that remote gig. Welcome to the Board with Nelly podcast. I'm really excited for you to be here. Um, I guess maybe give me an introduction introduction of yourself if we were to just meet in a bar and start chatting. How, how do you tell people? What do you do? Yeah, um, so I guess I'm a graphic designer by trade, but mostly uh, specifically letter, hand letter. So I do custom uh, lettering, uh, specifically logos, custom made logos um, that are done with lettering. That's my niche. Um, I do uh, within that niche. I do a lot of um, like things for good causes. Just so any any company that ha- does like a, a philanthropic cause, that's what uh, who I like to work with. Um, so that's what I do on my day job. Yeah. How did you get into that? Um, I always liked to draw and paint when I was a kid, and then eventually, um, I guess. Um, I kind of went away from that just because traditionally, you know, as a, as an Arab American, you're supposed to be like a, a dentist or a doctor or engineer or something. So I kind of went through that path, but then ended up just not being able to do it. So I thought, okay, how do I do like the scientific, uh, art, which is design? Uh, there's a lot of like science that goes into it. Uh, from there, I just kind of really loved calligraphy and lettering. Uh, my grandfather also taught me calligraphy at a very young age, and I always had that passion. And then I, I decided, let's just uh, go into it. When you were younger, like, are you talking about high school, early college days? You were still kind of pursuing a more technical career? Yes. Uh, so college, um, that's what I, what I was studying. I was studying like the, um, I was basically a pre-dentistry. Um, and then I ended up at the very end of it, uh, like saying, okay, let me just do design. Uh, and then that's kind of where I specialized uh, in design after that. Yeah, that's not a, necessarily specific to just uh, the Arab world. That's also specific to the Eastern, the Balkans, where I'm from. It's, mm-hmm. I did engineering as well, and then I found the passion, the actual career, what I want to do. So yeah. a lot of similarities there. And, and foreigner pe- foreigners coming to North America in general, and the, pa- the, the generation before ours is the generation that was just delighted with any sort of income and stability, whereas our generation has the luxury and also the curse of options, right? That could be a a double-edged sword 
And did you exactly. find that like that when you first brought up these ideas of pursuing a more creative, non-traditional route, was it a bit harder to communicate what you wanted to do? And they're like, what, what does that even mean? You're going to draw letters on the internet? Like, what, yep. How are you going to do that? <laughs> no, exactly. No, it, was, it was very weird. Like they, they had no idea what I was doing. And they're like, you know what? If, if you're going to be successful with it, just go for it. Because we can tell you're miserable trying to study for medicine and stuff. Um, but yeah, like they're like, just, just be good at something. That's fine. <laughs> but it that's was actually very huge, but that's actually really huge to have a, a, a parent or parents that are going to say, you know what? I, I, I might be wrong. I don't think we, we pushed you in the right direction. We just pushed you what we knew, but we didn't even know that there was a better path for you that you would enjoy more. Yeah, no, for sure. It took a lot of convincing, but I think, um, they, they understood. They're like, well, we know you're trying. We saw you trying. It just was it's not for you. So, what were the first drawings that you were doing? Like, what, tell me what you kind of did when you were younger. Uh, I just drew and painted everything. Like, uh, my grandmother would be knitting on a chair, and I would draw her. Like, we would go to the zoo, and I would come back home and just draw everything I saw. Like, uh, just constantly. Um, I really loved it. Um, when I was a kid, I was always like, you know, kind of quiet, and then I would just go around drawing stuff. Really? <laughs> yeah. But like and it was, it was good though. It was you, they knew that there was a talent there, though, right? Yeah, uh, like I, I wouldn't say I captured like the likeness of things, um, but I definitely like knew how to shade, knew how to, and it was I never, no one taught me. I just kind of like messed around. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then later on, much later, uh, then I, I studied the design well. Um, and like the technical part of it. And then that's how you, how I became a professional designer. But um, that kind of faded as I went into college and just studied uh, science. Right. Because no one knew that you can actually turn drawings into a career. Now it's like a, not just a career. It can be a very lucrative career if you do it a certain way and, and get big enough clients. Yep. Yeah. And uh, freelancing, definitely you could do a lot more. Um, you can get a lot more money freelancing than you can just working as a designer regularly, like at a firm or at um, in-house or something. Yeah, you could definitely get a lot more uh, money freelancing. I'm always curious how you first start with the first projects. Where did you start kind of uh, finding clients? Did you do Upwork, Fiverr, stuff like that? Yeah, I did all of it. Fiverr, Upwork, Craigslist, even like just uh, Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like a gig, creative gig section. Uh, any you, any you crazy get, stories from that? Surely there's some crazy stuff from Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely get like weird clients. Like you get people um, like asking for you know dirt cheap stuff. Uh, you meet them in person and they're just strange, you know. <laughs> but. Uh, but I mean, you get you get better and better clients as you your skill inc- gets better. Also, uh, I learned how to get those clients right. So at the beginning, like you, you know, you're, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. You're gonna try to just put yourself out there, do a lot of work, work, work. But then um, you're not. It's not necessarily gonna be like you do a lot of work for someone and you get the same result back. Uh, especially especially with design, like people don't understand it like a lot of times they the the client like um they tell you hey could you make this logo bigger could you make this whatever this color and i'm like it it, this is an arbitrary choice like i know why i chose that i know why i did those things uh this really works uh, for your market um like you don't go to a doctor and be like hey can you do an incision uh, in my shoulder even though my leg hurts 
you know, like <laughs> it's, it's sure. the same thing, but people don't treat it the same, you know? Um, right. So, they think these fixes are really simple and they're just almost like giving it zero thought as to what they're asking for. Yeah. Um, and it's all based on personal preference. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's your brand, but like if you go to a tattoo artist, um, you tell them, I want this exact thing. They, you know, that's their job. They're supposed to give you exactly what you want. Uh, my job is not to give them exactly what they want. My job is to give them what, how, what will make their business flourish. Right. Yeah. So I talked to them about like, okay, if you do this, this is your competition. This is what they're doing. This is how you can stand out. Um, so that's the difference between like a, a technician, I guess, and a professional designer. Like if, if, um, a lot of designers just give out options, like, okay, here's three options and you can pick. I don't do that. I tell them from the beginning, like, I'll give you the solution, not an option. Right. Yeah. Um, because my job isn't to just please you. My job is to make you succeed. And a lot of times, um, like when I lived in the Bay area, I, a lot of people, like there was a startups right and left to go get groceries. Someone, you know, was asking me to be part of their startup. Uh, so, really? so yeah, come to my incubator. So, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we're bootstrapping, uh, you know, the startup we're looking for VCs and, designers or whatever throwing yeah. these words around these goddamn silicon valley people <laughs> yeah <laughs> bootstrapping so so i was like so I, you know so many people would ask for work and they don't have the money okay so but they what they do have is percentages they're like, oh we'll give you like a percent of the company if we make it big you're going to be huge right which is wonderful but percentages don't pay the bills right right yeah yeah. And most so, startups fail for people that don't know about the startup world. Like 98% of startups fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, um, so you have to position yourself as a person who will get those big clients. And I thought of like creative ways to get those clients. I was like, okay, who has money? Uh, who appreciates design? Because a lot of people will just tell you, oh, change this, change that. They don't think it's like um, like a professional job. They just think it's like something anyone could do. Um, and so who has money? Who has, you know, the professional eye, like the appreciation for design? And who also um, will like be like, a, you know, a, a good person to work with? Like they won't just say, they won't say like, okay, let me get every single dime out of this uh, job. Um, so I thought, okay, if I, if I do hourly work, I want to work more hours. They want me to work less hours. If I charge, if I charge, for example, at a flat rate fee, they'll just want me to work as much hours as possible. I'll, I'll want to work as little hours as possible. So there's always these, these odds, but as opposed to uh, value-based pricing where you can just price based on the value. So you say, okay, I did this work for this company. This is how much, uh, revenue they got. Um, I know what I could provide for you. Look at your competition. Look at your um, target audience. These are what this is what how they were doing. This is how much they were doing with better branding. Um, and then you kind of. But are those, those things hard to measure? Are those things? Sorry, to interrupt you. Are those things hard to measure sometimes though? Yes, especially if you're talking to like a small business who like you know they don't really like you can't really get a super accurate, but you can definitely show them case studies. And there are a lot of case studies online, so you could go. Um, look at um, like you can look at the famous companies because they have everything like look at the very big brands and you show them the projections um, and then you could say well this company invested early in branding so that's why they did you know they succeeded 
uh, this company didn't have good branding for a while. And then that's how they succeed. And then I show them personal things that I've done. And then I tell them, okay, this company was here and now it's there. Um, as you're starting out, I didn't, I didn't have that luxury. So I, I had to deal with, you know, clients the old way. Uh, but once you, you figure that out and I could, uh, if someone wants, I could walk them through how to do value-based pricing. Uh, there were there are a bunch of guys online also. Just search value based pricing for designers. You'll find plenty. What's like the short summary of that? I guess what's the TLDR? Yeah. Uh, so what I do is I charge a flat rate fee plus uh, a percentage. If so, that way I'm I'm invested. If if that company's like a startup, you know they are they have that capability. Um, or I just tell them, okay, this is how much value I'm bringing. So let's say I'm projecting. That I'll give them a uh, hundred thousand dollars of sales within like the first year or something, and I'll say, okay, if my work is valued at a hundred thousand uh, dollars, if I charge you ten thousand dollars, I'm not basically charging ten thousand. I'm making you ninety thousand. Okay. Yes, I understand. Yeah. Okay, that so makes you sense. Kind of, so you just frame it in another way, and then that way it's a lot, it's a lot better for them to to swallow. Like they're like, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, and I can, you can show them proof. You show them, not proof, but like you show them um, case studies of things that have done that in the past, and you show them your abilities, and then um, it's a lot. You know, everything's like laid out as opposed to before it was like all in the air. Uh, now it's more concrete. Um, so the some sometimes I'll tell them here's like a plan, like here's like a payment plan that you could follow. If it's not like ten thousand um, dollars, if I'm dealing, if I'm working with. Of course, the value base is not going to be the same thing. So a client who's like really big, I'll charge them like X, you know, like 10,000. But a client who's really small, I know them. I like the brand. They're doing philanthropic work, which who I, lo- I like to work for. I'll charge them a lot less, but I'll at least tell them the value. Even from doing it for free, I'll at least show them like this is how much value I'm making. Because a lot of times if you do a logo for free for someone, uh, they'll just say, oh, okay, that's really nice. And then they still charge someone else just to get options. And then they pick the one that they paid money for because then it's like the sun can cost yeah. Price. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. So they're like, ah, I paid some money. I feel like I should use it, you know, even though it's way worse. Uh, right. So, so a lot of times uh, that happens. So giving them a value, at least now they're like, oh, this is not actually free. This is like a huge favor. Um, I think that brands have a very diff- sometimes very difficult times, even when I've worked with brands, trying to explain like how – uh, you're talking about graphic design, specifically branding. I'm I, in my space. I'm talking about video and content, and the 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 CEOs, the guys up top, really want hardcore analytics. I I pay you this, you give me this, and like that's not. It's such an outdated metric, especially in content where like you can make twenty videos and all of them can absolutely tank, and then your twenty first video gets like a million views, and then all the other ones start getting views. So like. What does that mean? Does that mean the 20 videos before that had zero value because they were they were in this period of limbo of nothingness and therefore okay, you made all these videos, yeah, you we paid you for your time but like we haven't received any revenue from this. And then all of a sudden you have this moment where everything just takes off and now like you've underpaid me grossly because you've gotten millions of millions of views which you probably would have had to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in in paid advertising. So it's a very difficult um, topic and thing that I even struggle with sometimes explaining like, hey man, I cannot uh, predict how many views something is going to get. I can just make the best content I can make and I could do it for as long as you want me to do it. And then, you know, 
if it does well, we can kind of figure out where to go from there. Yeah. Uh, and same, like, so um, to explain that to clients, a lot of times I have to tell them, just give it like two years. Because within two years, you're really, that's that's the amount of time you're really going to figure out what's, you're going to get the most amount of data. Uh, you're going to you're gonna do 80-20 uh, rule like Pareto effect, whatever. You're going to figure out what's the 20% that's giving you 80% of the results. And then you focus on that. Keep focusing on that. Keep focusing on that. Um, so you can't just say, hey, make me a viral video or make me a, a whatever. Because um, because content, um, it's it has a lot of creative input. Like you can't just throw in a bunch of designers or a bunch of videographers at something uh, and just say, oh, the more people, that means that it's going gonna, it's gonna to work well. Or you throw money at it and you think, oh, just because I invested in this project tens of thousands of dollars for this video, that means video is going to take off. Like that's not how this works. What, what I think works is branding and consistency. So if you're posting regularly and you have a nice brand, you have a consistent message, you, you know, people like to see something that's being consistent. Right. Um, and the creator doesn't always have that consistency in them uh, brand-wise. And you just, you just don't feel like doing the same exact content every time. Sure. Even then, you still have to like have a channel or whatever that's dedicated to that same consistent stuff. Or else you're gonna lose your your followers who join for that reason. So um, for a creative outlet, like for example, lettering and calligraphy is not the only thing I do. Um, I write uh, so like I have like the this book called The Lazy Person's Guide to Freedom, where I talk about like what it means to be free, how to become free, all that stuff. Uh, and then I um, I invite guests to talk about like what does freedom mean to them, right? So for me, I know that. Um, like it's part of like kind of not like stress relief, but just kind of a way for me to to be productive is to do a lot of very different things as a creative as a creative um, outlet. Because if I'm just doing one thing over and over and over, there's a lot of. I'm strength. with you. I'm with you as well. I have I have a very diverse set of activities that I do. I cannot sit down and do one thing for eight hours. My day is usually one hour increments of random things, but I will do those one hour daily things for years. And I will get very little progress every day, but I will progress in seven different things. And by the 10 year mark, okay, I can do X amount of things at a certain level that I'm really happy with. Yep. And that's where you start delegating and that's where you start like getting specialists to do stuff. Like right. you have to wear a lot of hats and just do a lot of stuff. Right. With- and it goes back to the creative part as well, which is, which is I kind of want to circle back uh, to that. That was really interesting. Uh, when you hire someone and working in these spaces, you're not necessarily hiring someone to do tasks. You're hiring someone to add value also to your to your product and add their expertise. And this combination of your personalities or your, your ideas creates this new thing, right? And that's an editor is in a very similar mindset, I think, as like a designer. When I hire an editor, I okay, I have a script, I have a video, I give him the footage, but then I say, okay. This part, I actually don't know what you could do here. Go wild. Put your creative input. Make the video not just mine, but yours. And that brings them into the game. And then that makes it exciting for them because they're not just, you know, in the passenger seat. And that's that's huge. Yeah. And make them invested. That's how you build loyalty. Right. Um, you, make them, you make them feel that there's a lot of trust. Um, you know, it's not just your opinion on everything. Um, yeah, of course. And then, so... To, um, to get the right person, I guess, would just be you're going to in the beginning have to deal with a lot of like failures. So just fail early just get people, be patient with them, tra- train them, all that. And then um, 
after a while, then, you, you know, they're going to understand your brand. They're going to vibe and like. Uh, and they're going to know what works and what doesn't as well. They're also gathering the analytics with you and you can bounce back. Okay, this was a bit off here. This was a bit. Okay, why did this work? We can we, Having two minds uh, on one problem is so much better than one. Yeah. And I think the, the most important thing is just having the same vision and the same goals. Right. So anyone you work with, just kind of figure out what they want. And it's not just about doing like an amazing job. It's just um, are they on, in line with what you want to do? Eventually, um, you'll achieve great things together. Right. One of the big reasons I brought you in and I wanted to talk to you is because I have a lot of friends now that are seeing the, the potential a remote career can, can bring. And there's a few different alleys people are generally going towards. Video content, social media management, graphic design is a huge one. Uh-huh. Uh, some people have a lot of artistic ability, but they only tapped into it when they were kids and then they picked a career that they were most likely forced or you know somewhat forced into. And now they're circling back because they see a bunch of people. They see their friends, maybe even in their own group. Oh, this guy did it. He can actually works wherever he wants, whenever he wants, with people he wants. And those are like unbelievably desirable traits. So if you were starting today, what would you do differently, let's say, from from zero? Mm-hmm. Um, I would just start making regular content, right? Which is very difficult, you know? Right. Um, and just post it out there into the world. Don't care what anyone says. Don't care if you have zero followers. Don't care about whatever. Um, just post regularly and put your heart and soul into it. And um, Any kind of yeah. content. You're talking about whether it's drawings, videos, whatever, right? Yeah. Writing. And then do a lot more. So I didn't do this enough, but do a lot more like cold calling, cold emailing, cold DMing, like just message people um, and like create your content that way. Like um, if you want clients, um, so let's say since I have experience in graphic design, I'll just talk about graphic design. I'm not sure about the other um, creative outlets. But for me, what's, what was huge is just having a portfolio. And uh, once I got a portfolio going and I got a website running with like my work on there, um, that's proof. So then you, now that you have that proof, you have that status, then you could uh, message people and tell them, here's my work. Here's what I could offer. I think I could give you, talk about how much value you can give people. Um, here's the value I could offer you. Here's some uh, case studies. Here's some whatever. And um, that, that's how you, you build um, audience. And you build an audience through posting on, on your content. So I, would, I posted for years on social media, on Instagram. Uh, I posted every day, every day, every day. Just at least one post. And I don't, like, what kind of things would you post to... before, I, before I continue, just out of curiosity? It was like um, educational posts. So I had like one day of the week was like uh, Motivation Mondays. I would post something motivational to people. Uh, tutorial Tuesdays where I'll teach people like how to do um, like some uh, something specific within design or lettering. Um, like uh, it was like whatever Wednesdays, Wednesdays, just whatever, something fun and random. Thursdays was like travel Thursdays because I love to travel. I would go somewhere cool and like do a lettering piece and describe it. And then uh, Friday was like uh, I happened to do fake logo Fridays where I would just make up a logo. That and sounds then, like the most traction one probably that I got. <laughs> yeah. I would try to put humor in there and just, you know, make something funny and do like a commentary on something, whether it be uh, like a, a political thing, something that happened recently. And I would just make like a commentary on it with a fake logo or um, or whatever, like just some random thing that happened. 
eventually that shifted. Um, and then I, I just focused on, okay, a lot of people love the travel stuff. A lot of people love the educational stuff. No one really cares about like the, the other content. So then I, I made it catered towards just educational. Um, so I would say, here's this uh, inventor. Here's this guy in history. Why, why this random thing is important. Uh, like I would see a YouTube video that like talks about uh, some event. I'll be like, oh, I didn't know that. And then I would just share something about it. Um, so I became like an educational. So and then um, people love the traveling people like, how do you even do that? Like, um, you know, how do you have the money to travel? How do you do all that stuff? How did you visit Antarctica? Like, how do you go to these like, the seven continents, do all that stuff? So I would tell them, um, here's like a freedom thing, how to become free, how to do whatever. And since a lot of my content was also like about um, political prisoners, things like that. So I was like, all right, I guess I could just talk about freedom in general, freedom from being like um, put in prison, freedom from, um, you know, self stuff. Like if you have like addictions or something that, you know, contains you, you're a slave to your own self um, or uh, freedom from, uh, you know, how to have more money so you can be free or freedom in health so you can not be sick. It's hospital. quite a big word with a lot of, you know, you know, segues it can go into. Yeah. The word so freedom. Right. I'll, <laughs> just, I'll just say freedom education. That's my that's my brand. And then I would talk about um, each of those things, bring in experts who, who, you know, know that topic very well and just let them speak. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of how I discovered my niche. It's just random posting in the beginning, uh, things I like to do. Then it kind of got, I was like, okay, this is working. This is not working. I'll just focus on what's working. Eventually, I got a, um, a style, I guess. And yeah, so if I were to, to tell my few, you know, myself when I was just starting and I had no clients, no money, nothing, I would just say, just make work, even if it's fake, uh, just put a portfolio out there. Uh, and, and then um, it doesn't have to be actual clients. You just make stuff up. You just draw it and be like, oh, this guy knows how to make logos. And then uh, put that on your website message a lot of people like freelancing is like 25% messaging people, 25% actual design work. And then, uh, 25% focusing on you, like investing in yourself, learning, honing your trade, all that stuff. And then the other 25% is just like doing other things like, uh, finding out creative stuff that could give you passive income that could give you things to not just rely on one source. Like I worked for many companies and I got laid off three times and none of it was my fault. Like I was like putting in the hours, putting in all that. What I learned from that is just, okay, I guess nothing is like stable. Like there's no, so people tell me, oh, you know, how do you like maintain a stable job? Well, nothing is really stable because like, yes, you know, you can yeah, that's, that's spot on. There's a, there's a Nas line. Nope. Nobody's, repre- nobody's recession proof. So invest in you. <laughs> yep. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I would do. Just um, work, read a lot. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I'm an auditory learner, so I just listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, get a get a lot of work done. Doesn't doesn't have to be actual clients. Just as long as you're working, owning your trade, and constantly message people. Get the sales out. So the marketing is your uh, Instagram account or whatever. You know, people are seeing that you have content. Um, messaging people is your sales department. And right. That, <laughs> yeah, smart. Yeah, those two combinations, that's how you get clients. 
Uh, I would also like to add, from my perspective, maybe you maybe you disagree, but from my perspective, messaging people in the early days when you're very unknown, very inexperienced, don't have a portfolio, free work. Offer people free stuff. I mean, that's extremely valuable. Don't message them, oh, I, I was thinking maybe if you pay me, I would do this for you. No, 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 just say, hey, I'm a fan of you, man. Here's, I made a little design for you. I don't want anything in return. Have a good day. And you'll get way more people messaging you back than you would in any other situation, from my experience at least. No, I agree. That's a really good strategy, and I did that, and it was working. Um, the one thing I would add is like figure out a way to, because you have like a limited time with them, and you yeah. don't want to annoy them. At the same time, yes, you want to provide free value, but you don't want to like just have them step all over you. Um, so just sh- like wow them, like get, go above and beyond. Just say, hey, I did this like entire campaign for you. Um, give them like logos, P- you know, a PDF of like logo, brand, whatever examples of it in social media, of examples of a website design, right? Just be like, I did this for you. Um, you like it, whatever. And then after they're like, oh my God, this looks amazing. Uh, yeah, how can we use it? I was like, all right, you can buy XYZ. Like you can kind of like try to upsell. Sure. Little sure. by little, even give them a, a, a very little price. It's better than free. Uh, so just try to upsell a little bit, um, and it's not too intrusive, and they'll be happy to take a little money. Spot on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other tips and tricks uh, in the earlier days that you would pass on to a younger you? Yeah. Uh, one thing that I discovered. So I went to this one um, conference. And in that conference, there was a speaker who was talking about how, like, oh, you know, these mentors, like, um, people think it's impossible to find a mentor. Mentors are actually really easy to find. Just, like, message them, you know, send them an email, tell them, um, you know, I love your work. I really want to know what you're doing. I'm going to be in your area two weeks. Like, give them two different days that you're going to be in their town. Um, Like, and they have to be two weeks apart so that they're not, like, um, you know, just in case they're actually traveling or something. So as he was saying this, I was literally emailing him and telling him exactly word for word what he was saying. <laughs> right? Right. So I sent that to him. And then after he was done with his speech, I shook his hand. And then I told him I did that. And he was like, oh, actually, like my VA answers my emails. I won't even see that. So good thing you told me. So he gave me his number. So then I followed up with him. I wasn't even planning on going to Boise, Idaho. Right. But I just not, like, not many do. Not many plan that trip. Yeah. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, I'll go. I'm, I'm totally on my way there. It's just, you know, <laughs> so I, so I yeah. drove over from California, from San Francisco. Uh, I did like a road trip. I was like, yeah, I'm going to Yellowstone. Uh, why don't I just like meet you on the way there? And he's like, isn't it close? I was like, no, no, it's not close. It's fine. So I just drove there and um, met with him. He gave me some amazing advice. One really good advice that he gave me was uh, be like the, the middle person between you and uh, the agency. So let's say an agency has like a, a cap of like $50,000. Like if you're a client who goes to that agency and you have less than $50,000, um, they'll be like, oh, well, we can't we can't accept you as a client because we have to like pay our employees and all that stuff. So tell them, hey, um, agency, I know you have like a cap. How about you, anyone under 50000 just send them my way. Okay. <laughs> I'll be glad to take $20,000 from whatever. Like, <laughs> right. You know, so it, it was really, really Smart. good advice. Right. Uh, another thing he said was like, try to find creative ways of uh, getting money. And there was an example of uh, someone in Australia who uh, was like, all right, who's got money? Who's got, who, who likes design? Who appreciates design? Going through the same thing I was going through. And then he said, okay, 
I see a lot of billboards for like plastic surgeons and lawyers. So he's just like, okay, how about what if I just make, because like these guys obviously have money, they have enough money to have all these billboards and they have good design. So he just made a, made business cards that say uh, plastic surgeon designer, like he's a designer niche down towards plastic surgeons. And um, he called up, you know, he saw that there was like a retreat, like a conference for plastic surgeons. And it was in a cruise that was like going around the coral reef and stuff. And um, he called the company. He's like, hey, does it, do you have to be like a surgeon to be on that cruise? He's like, no, you just have to like pay for it. Like, okay, how much is it? And they're like $7,000. He's like, all right. So he paid $7,000, went on that cruise and just talked to them. Then like you talk to them normally. And they're like, oh, okay, where's your field? Like, where do you practice? Do you have like a clinic? Do you have something? And he's like, no, I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> they're like, really? What are you doing here? And he's like, no, I'm, you know, uh, I'm niching down. This is my niche. I just want to know what the latest and greatest I'm trying to study my whatever. They're like, oh, interesting. And then at the end of the conversation, he would give him his card. He walked out of there with $300,000 worth of clients. He was Holy booked for the whole shit. year. <laughs> yeah. So, so just think of creative ways, right? So, I mean, I didn't do that, but like what I had at the time, I was like, all right, um, I'm going to go to events that are not graphic design. So I'm going to be the only non-graphic designer. So in California, there was like um, a lot of developer, app, you know, groups. There was a lot of like people who are just developing um, like iOS developers, Android developers, all these like people that are meeting together to discuss stuff. So I would just show up be the only designer there. And it worked. I, everyone there was like, oh yeah, I need a new designer, a new designer, a new designer. Um, I did that. And then also uh, I went to a lot of networking events that were not designed. So I did go to networking like for designers. I went to lettering conferences. I went to um, graphic design meetups and stuff, but um, they're all my competition. So I went there to learn. And then I went to other ones to get clients. So I'd be kind of bored just like, you know, listening to someone talk about something I don't care about. But at the end of it, when I'm talking with people, that's how you get clients. Um, and then um, in addition to emailing those agencies, in addition to going to those networking conferences, I would also be like, all right, how do I, because these networking conferences, you pay money to get in, you, you know, you're wasting a lot of time. I was like, how could I get paid? while pitching to someone and having them having that one-on-one -on -one moment because with, within those things like if someone's like not interested to talk to you they just kind of move on and talk to someone else so i was like how do i trap someone how do i get them with me for like 20 minutes <laughs> okay and then i could give them the elevator pitch so i thought okay um what if i have them in a car with me somehow okay and then i have to drive them somewhere so i was like okay so i made an uber account i made an uber driver account only hung around expensive hotels like the Sheraton and the Hiltons and stuff and only turned it on there. That way I could pick them up and it's usually like really fancy business people. And I would drive them usually to the airport, which was 20 minutes away. And during that time I was like pitching to them. I was like kind of giving them the elevator pitch about like my design. I put my business cards all over. So even if uh, we didn't like a lot of people don't like people talking to them, even if, you know, they didn't talk to me at all, at least, they saw my business card. They saw my name. Um, and I got paid for it. You know, at least the ride paid. Right. Did, what was your biggest success story from one of those? Or did yeah. you, do you have one? Yeah. No, no, no. I had plenty. So I had a bunch of people just randomly contact me. Be like, I saw your business card in Uber. <laughs> That's uh, wild. Yeah. And then another time, uh, just me talking to some people. Like, it was like three different people who I did work for. 
and they were my best clients because they had money. They, you know, they're, we, we were like, we talked, I didn't start off by being sleazy. I started off just asking them about what they do, all that stuff. So, oh yeah, you know, I used to live there, blah, blah, blah. I worked uh, with someone who worked with you. Like, oh yeah. And then we got this connection going. And then uh, at the end of it, they're like, um, I was like, yeah, actually, I'm not, this is not my real job. This is just me to, to try to you know, connect to people and, uh, and get clients and stuff. And, and by the way, here's my card, right? Like the costume comes off. You're like, I'm actually the graphic designer. Here's my card. Have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed the ride. Mm-hmm. That's really clever. So, did you get like some high paying clients and long term yeah. clients? And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I got like, um, and, I, and the ones that usually those clients are ones that I want to work with because like they see your personality. They, um, uh, so another thing too, if you want to work in a specific niche, like let's say you want to work only with like uh, music people or uh food um people so like i I love food and i always wanted to brand like um you know a a food place so make your portfolio have a lot of that okay so like cater towards that and just niche that either niche down into it like it's fine if you get other clients um did you ever get a sorry to interrupt you this is a question i know you're gonna continue after but did you ever get a name on the uber on like who you're picking up and then you did a quick Google search and you're like, like, let's see if I can tailor what I'm talking about to what their specific needs are. Like this guy's the CEO of a, I don't know, crypto startup. I'm going to talk about crypto today. Or, I don't know. Or is that too no, creepy? Is that, is that getting a little too much? No, I don't know. I, I didn't have time, honestly. It just like whenever it popped up, I would do it immediately just so it's not. Okay. Like, yeah. Well, maybe now I'm getting a little too crazy with some of these <laughs> ideas. But yeah, sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, but that's a really good idea, though. Like, because, yes, um, knowing exactly how to talk to them using their language helps a lot. Um, I mean, also- one of the big things that you talk about is the language thing, right? Uh, being able to speak in their native tongue is enormous. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and sometimes, like, I'll learn, like, random phrases in, like, a, a specific language. Mm-hmm. Um, like... And then when they tell me they're from that country, like I'll just like throw that phrase in there, and yeah. it makes a ginormous difference. Like of course, you know. yeah, people don't know that. People don't understand that. I do that with the uh, Venezuelan people here in uh, in Spain, and I literally they bring me into the nest like I'm a little baby bird. I'm part of their group. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No language learning is is really really cool. Like. Um, like just one word, and you just have like that ear to ear smile right away. Instantly. Right, right. Um, also, um, learning yeah, languages, on. learning about cultures, that is huge. Not only in, in getting inspiration for design, uh, like a lot of times a client will be like, how did you even think of that? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, just um, I saw a lot of like that type of thing in that one country. And then that specific design is from there. Like you could either study it or it could it travel and experience. And then I think also just experiencing the culture, um, it, it gives you that like appreciation for that culture. Yeah. Like a lot of times I would be like, oh, why, why do, you know, why when I go to this restaurant, like people are always like X. And then when I visit the country, I'm like, oh no, that's actually a really good thing about the culture is that they're very like open, very whatever. Uh, Like personal space, for example, in some countries is like non-existent. And when I visited that country, I was in the beginning like, you know, but then after a while I was like, oh, they're actually very like loving. They're very yeah, um, it's just in their own way there. It's a completely different... You've interpreted because you've been from this upbringing and this style of life and they've been here. So it's just a difference in backgrounds, not really of sentiment. Yeah. 
I think uh, for so. people that are here also um, in Europe in general, maybe you've had some experience with this as well, but language exchanges, there's so many of them here and you could talk to like 50 different people in one night and you'll never know who you're going to meet and what kind of connect network that could be. Not even a network. Maybe that's, maybe that's looking at it a little bit too much uh, businessy, but like you, you kind of friendship you can meet and kind of people you can hear stories from and, and, you know, get inspiration for ideas. Yeah. And um, like the number of times, so I speak fluently, uh, maybe like two and a half languages. And then I know like how to get by in some other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, my wife, she speaks like eight languages. Okay. Whoa. So between the two of us, when, and it's like different languages, right? Eight so fluently. Eight fluently. Basically like very, wow. very well. Yeah. Wow. Cool. And when, let's say like we're on a bus ride, there's like flex bus in, in Europe. So it goes everywhere. Um, let's say we're, we're, we're sitting, uh, we're on a bus, we're on a plane, uh, you know, we take some of those, uh, plane rides to somewhere and we're sitting next to someone, uh, more likely than not between the two of us, we'll find something, the person sitting next to us that is in that language. That's like crazy. Uh, like I, I sat down to two different people. Uh, they both. Uh, are Japanese. Like I saw them reading a Japanese book and I was I just started speaking to them in Japanese and they're like, what is happening? <laughs> you know? And then they're like, oh my God, like, please let me help you. Like they, they're like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Japanese people are so polite. They're one of the nicest, politest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, same thing. Like um, we were in, um, I forget like which country, uh, like Poland or something. I forget. But like, same thing. You just sit next to someone and then you just say like, um, high in that in that uh, language, like oh my god, please! And they just like give you food, like give you extra food, like give you like whatever. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, That's language. a really powerful, yeah, skill set. Any language, there's no there's no bad language to learn in life. Um, I guess another thing I want to talk to you about is is how does your day to day go now that you're freelance? Uh, talk to me about potentially having struggles because I know I have some struggles of my own managing my time in the sense of like when you have. Uh, endless freedom that could also be a curse in, in a sense. So how has it been? How long have you been doing this kind of lifestyle? How's that going? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's going well. So at one point I was like, all right, I really need to put a, um, like I need to put myself out there. I need to post every single day. And then that got daunting. Like that got like stressful because a lot of times you post something and you're like, ah, oh, it wasn't that good. Like it's not going to get as many likes as the other one. Um, and then it, you, you start like, um, doubting yourself, you start like not wanting to post anymore. Um, and, um, sometimes you're traveling and you're like, you're, you're doing too many things. Um, and and my style of traveling, like I like to just like visit a bunch of countries in a row, (laughs) you know, just like take, take no breaks, just see like things in the middle. Um, but you do like you book tickets in advance. So you have to like, you only have a specific amount of time in a place. Yeah. So let's say for example, uh, I would go to uh, Barcelona or something, and then I would say, okay, let me just um, do like that for two weeks, but I'll go to the countries nearby and then fly out of Barcelona at the end. So like I'll plan like another I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Um, like I'll go to like Morocco, I'll go to, um, you know, whatever else, like France or Italy or something, and then fly back from there. Um, I like to do slow travel as opposed to fast travel, but in that slow travel, I'll hit a bunch of places quickly. <laughs> so it kind of ruins the purpose. How does the so, work, uh, how does the work go while you're traveling? Uh, 
uh, if I'm in Europe and I'm working for Americans, it's amazing because then you just wake up late, you do whatever you want. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, if when I was in New Zealand, I was struggling. I was there for like a month, and it was a struggle because you have to wake up at like 5 a.m. to have meetings with people, um, and you you know you want to be flexible. You don't want to like make them all cater to you. You want to cater to the client, especially with meetings. Um, so. So yeah, it's it's great and sometimes not so great depending on where you are. And it's also like you're you're getting a remote job, and you got to think about it from a company's perspective. They're putting a lot of trust in someone they've probably never even met or seen in real life. So another reason you want to be somewhat accommodating. Yeah, um, but other than that, I think it's it's wonderful. Um, like I've worked in weird places and weird situations. Like I would be like on a train or on a uh, you know, on a beach or on site, like, you know, you're, you're like, <laughs> you're still at work mode, but then, uh, like, for example, like I would have like, uh, a background and people would think I'm still in Dallas in, in America. And then <laughs> they're like, wait, why is it dark? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. There's um, also a lot of lies with, uh, like those influencer, they're like, have the laptop on the beach. I will pay you a, a, a lot of money if you can tell me that you can work at 38 degrees Celsius on a v beach here in Spain. I would love to see you doing your little emails or graphic design when it's you're getting cooked out there. There's no chance yeah. you're doing any work. It's not possible. Yeah, no, 100%. And um, like sometimes you're like on a cafe, like near, like you can see the sea and like the sand and stuff right in front of you, but you're still like, it's still, there's still internet and whatever, yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit more believable. But like, oh, look at me. I'm on this rock next to the water with my laptop. I'm like, dude, stop that. No human being is answering uh, emails on, on at the beach like that. It's like 90 yeah. to fucking degrees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also uh, for working remotely, uh, like let's say you're, you want to get like clients. Try to make your clients be in one area with the, with the most money like Europe or America or something, and they just live east of that, <laughs> right? So that way, yeah, so that you're... Um, Why do you live in Dallas, I guess? That, that brings me to this question. Are your, most of your clients east of, da east of Dallas um, or west? Most of my clients are, are here, actually, in, in the area. Oh, uh, interesting. So, yeah, so um, it's a lot easier to just do, like, in-person in stuff. But also uh, for taxes, there's, like, no state tax, um, and I'm... Since I'm an American citizen, like I just want to be in America, <clears throat> but um, it's I. Oh, that's I, right. You would pay taxes anywhere you go, right? If you you though it doesn't matter where you live, you pay American taxes, right? Yes, but in a state, like if you want to pick a state, pick Texas uh, and uh, Vermont, uh, Delaware, uh, and Wyoming. I think uh, for different things, like I have like like a business, um, like my branding company is like set in I think Wyoming. I forget. And then uh, Delaware is for something else, um, but like I um, I like the people the community of where I'm living. That's why I'm living here. But like I I travel like I'm I'm I leave it a lot. So like they're like we haven't seen you in a long time. It's like yeah, sorry. I was like, <laughs> how many days of the year are you traveling approximately or percent? I don't know. At the, well, before COVID, like I think because of COVID, I had to 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 stay in one place for a long time. Um, but the, the year before the and the year after that, it was like, um, barely any time. Um, like for example, from April till 
uh, July, I was in Europe, um, like did from like Italy, went to Mauritius, went back to Italy, went to Morocco, went to um, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Finland, Poland. And then, have you been to the Balkans yet? I have to ask, I guess. Have you been to the no, Balkans? No, not yet. It's on my yeah. list. I really want to Got to add that it's, to the list. It's, it's got to be up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think next year I, I, I want to do that. I want to do like as many of the, the Balkan, Balkan trips as I can. Yeah. Hell yeah. Let me know if you need suggestions with that. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's really interesting. So when you, when you, when you get your little client base and you have, uh, you know, steady work coming in, when do you feel like you can, how do I say this? Cause when you have a job, you get an income, you feel stable after a couple of months, you pass the initial three months. When do you feel that stability in the freelance world? If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you, you get to a point where people refer you. So to ensure that people refer you is when you just give them much more than what they asked for. Right. So that's how you kind of maintain them. You, you like promise a little bit and you give them a lot. Um, so let's say you're going to give them a hundred percent. You promise like 70% and then they're expecting 70% and then you give them hundred percent. They're like, wow, that's crazy. Um, so a lot of it is word of mouth. So I rarely post on social media now because like I don't need to. And I, um, I rarely try to like actively sell, like actively do that. And that's kind of when you're like, okay, then that's, that's when you kind of know. Um, but of course the people still come from website referrals. People still come from, um, Instagram or whatever, but like, um, most of it is just word of mouth and, um, meeting people. Like whenever you travel, you, you network by accident, I guess, especially with like languages. Um, uh, and also like, if I really want to work with a client, I try to build a relationship so, so that it doesn't seem like I'm trying too hard. Um, and then after we have that random, like regular relationship of like friends or whatever, then I, I, I can, I, they know what, what skills I have and then they ask me. Um, so if you're saying like, at what point do you feel stable? Freedom. Uh, what point do you feel free? I mean, let's, let's talk about that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so freedom to me means that you're not like you can pick your clients. You could say, no, you have the freedom to say no to clients. And there are a lot of clients like that you say no to um, because like I, I do a lot of free work as well. It's it's not uh, not necessarily like I have like a free work budget. I say, OK, like this is like these are the free. Uh, these are the, um, the things I believe in, things that I think should have good branding. Um, I'll allocate some of my time to give them. And I think that actually um, causes me a lot more money, brings in a lot more money because they like perceive that value and they're like, oh my God, this guy did so much. I'll tell everyone about you, right? Right. So they do so much advertising um, from that free work. It's And it's and I actually genuinely, you know, don't... Um, and I, what I like about free work as well is that like... You, the client can't come to come to you and just say like, "Can you change this? Can you change this?" It's free. right, <laughs> right. So you have yeah. ultimate freedom. You feel like this is a passion project. You have so much control, uh, and it really is good for your soul, I guess. Because like a lot of times, client like will um, will tell you to do something that you really don't want to do, and you're like, "I'll just take the money." Like you know, here's my thing, and then you're too ashamed to put it on your portfolio. Um, so. So free work, uh, actually, even if, if you make it, you know, even if you're big enough, 
even if you feel like you don't want to, still do free work. Um, just give people the value of, of that work. Um, and, you know, ma- how to maintain clients, just do an excellent job. Um, email people, uh, message people, and um, also just like make do things like um, have a lot of marketing so like people can see your proofs like social media following and whatever and they're like oh, okay this guy clearly knows what he's talking about also another big thing is teaching if you teach then people will think that you have a lot more expertise than you actually do um, even if you don't know as like if you know if you're not like a super duper expert still just teach people teach people you're if someone's starting from zero you're they're learning from you they're going to learn something right Right. It's like in jujitsu, you have a blue belt and that's still four levels away from a black belt, but he can teach a white belt. So it, it's, yes. you have value. Even if you're a white belt, and you've only been there for six months and a new guy comes in with zero. You can, the white belt can teach the new guy. Mm-hmm. There's always a, a way to pass on and hand down information. Yeah. And I used to have imposter syndrome. Like I used to be like, well, I'm not an expert in lettering. Like how could I teach lettering? But then when I started teaching it, that's when I learned it more. Uh, right. Like someone would ask me a question and I wouldn't know, then I would look it up and then it would be stuck in my head forever. Uh, I learned it way better than if I were to just like passively learn. Um, so teach early, not too early, but like teach, you know, uh, that's how you get better at your skill. So if you're a graphic designer who teaches others how to be graphic designers, right, or what's even better, how to make money off of graphic design, uh, then people are like, oh, okay, this guy is legit. So we're going to hire him, you know? So that's what I do. I, I teach as, as soon as I learn something, I teach it. Um, so I do workshops. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I picked here is because there's a lot of opportunities for workshops. So another thing for, um, you know, creative ways of, of getting clients is um, like workshops, for example, they're great. Like you get invited by someone, they pay for your ticket and they pay for your hotel and they tell you, okay, teach us a workshop, um, and they'll pay you like four thousand dollars, right, for three hours of your day. That's way better than um, you like spending all this time working, working, working. That four thousand dollars could be a month, you know, as opposed to as opposed to just one day, three hours, right? And they pay for your flights and your hotel. So um, think about like, okay, uh, client work, teaching, and products. That's the trifecta of uh, making money with um, creative work. So um, is that the the talk of the book? I guess that probably I would assume leads into the book a little bit. Yeah, that, that's what my mentors taught me. That's what uh, right. a bunch of people taught me. Yeah, they tell you uh, just have work. If if you're just starting out, you have time. You don't have money. You don't have anything to sell to get you money. You don't have assets. You don't have capital. So what you have is time. So trade your time for money. So work. Do client work. Then teach, right? And then um, have products. Like I have T-shirts. I have uh, random objects. You know, I just have all those websites print on demand that you just put a design on them and it sells itself. You just got to do keyword research and whatever. And um, they take care of fulfillment, take care of everything. Um, So that creates passive income. I'll be sleeping, wake up, like this like ping of like, oh, someone just bought X, someone just bought whatever. Um, So products, teaching, and also make your teaching into passive income by making courses. So so digital courses, stuff like that. Uh, YouTube, of course, is huge. So that uh, 
gets people. So like, for example, if you're making a course, put like the first five lessons on YouTube for free. At the end of it, just say, hey, uh, I'm also on Skillshare, Udemy, whatever. And then after Skillshare, put five more classes on there. And then at the final part, have it on your own platform because anyone could just take your lessons off of Skillshare or, or like do a sale, like Christmas sale or something and just like destroy your earnings. So your own platform, put that course, the whole course for like $400. They say like first course, 997, second course, um, 1,997, it's just 97 at the end for some reason. And then like X, 2X, 4.5X, all those small details. But like um, have courses, uh, products, and client work. And um, you have to teach people to get the big, big bucks, right? So for me, that was um, murals and um, workshops. Like a mural could be like $30,000, you know, you paint it over the, over a week and a workshop that's like $4,000 per day. They pay for flight and whatever. So you have to be good enough, um, constantly wow your clients, send out emails, try to get people in the beginning. Then after a while, people, you won't need to do that as much. And then think of creative ways. You're like, all right, I noticed that workshops and murals, for example, get me the biggest return so i'll focus on that right be the mural guy or the workshop person right so just focus on those things and uh yeah you'll, you'll make way more than just traditional design which is uh you know making flyers for like five dollars or something just say i don't yes i can do them but i'll focus only on a niche that's like luxury brand stuff sure and i guess let's find we're almost at an hour here let's end this on what does that grant you? Because I think a lot of people have a misconception of what freedom is. Not not that I want to steal your podcast idea or your show, mm. but I think it's a good topic to end on because I think freedom to some people means the big house, the big car, or I don't know, like retiring on a sunset, which is also unrealistic, or retiring yeah. on a beach somewhere. Mm. In a sun- That's also not realistic. I think the freedom, in my opinion, would come from the ability, one, to choose clients, which you talked about, which is enormous. So to work, but to not feel like work because you're working with people you enjoy and projects you enjoy. Yeah. And then to have a good balance of work and life enjoyment, family, friends, travel, whatever your taste is. And then having a little bit on the side in case of, you know, a rainy day, stuff like that. Is that really, what's the end goal of, I guess, uh, what you're currently doing and how do you evaluate how much time I'm going to put into, you know, this month's activities, how many clients I'm going to take on, stuff like that. Yeah, um, 100%. I agree 120% with everything you just said. Uh, I would say just having the freedom to, uh, because like, you know, life is unpredictable. Anything could happen. You can't be 100% free. You can't be like free all the time, all the, you know, whatever. So just think of your aspect, your life as like these five different like health bars. Um, like you have like your health, um, relationships, wealth, um, work, like physical and mental well-being, all that. And um, think of it in terms of like, okay, am I free? Like mentally, like, is there anything that's like holding me back? Do I have a lot of anxiety? Do I have a lot of, um, pressures? Do I have a lot of stresses? Do I have a lot of like, um, things that are holding me back? Things that are just, I can't control what I do. Um, do I have a lot of physical, like things that are holding me back? You know, if, how much control do I have of that? If I don't have that much control, okay, well then let me just be free um, knowing that this is my, my parameter, right? 
So I'll so instead of being like miserable about what I don't have, I'll just be like, all right, I'm free because I'm I don't have the burden of dealing with the responsibilities of having it. You know, just put yourself in that different perspective. Of course, it's not easy, but um, it, it'll all like you'll have like equilibrium with your, you know, everyone has like, even if there's a really tragic event, you're still going to go back to that level of happiness. Um, you know, if people who win the lottery, they're, they're going to be happy for a little bit and then they're going to go back to that equilibrium. So everyone's equal anyway. So your mindset should be, I'm happy for what I have gratitude. You know, everyone talks about gratitude. Just be thankful for what you got. Be thankful for that stuff. And it does free you from, um, you know, the, the shackles of, uh, being miserable right all the time and stuff so freedom means being like in that mindset of freedom also having the financial freedom to you know let's say some family member or something gets sick you have the ability to help them you have the ability to to drop whatever you have and like go be for be there for them or whatever um and also the freedom to just like explore freedom to learn freedom to to go anywhere you want all that um so freedom and health both mentally and physically freedom of um, possibilities, be it with money, be it with whatever. Uh, and, you know, peace of mind, that's that's kind of how I define freedom. And then, of course, the, the, the last part that no one talks about whenever you talk about freedom is, like, freedom in responsibility towards, like, bigger things. Like, I'm from a country where there's, like, a um, dictator in charge and a lot of people are put in prison. So my freedom is, okay, I'm going to do my due diligence and tell people about like uh, the issue, uh, tell people about injustices, because if it happens to them, it's going to happen to me. So just spread awareness, make sure it doesn't happen to anyone. A rising tide raises all the boats, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great uh, place to end on. I agree with everything you said, so I, I don't have much to contribute. Uh, where is the best place for people that are interested in following you, your work? Where can I point them to? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's motizzy.com, M-O-T-I-Z-Z-Y.com. Uh, Very good. Muy bien. Yeah. Muy bien. Mo, uh, appreciate your time. Very enjoyable conversation. I hope people learned a lot. Anyone that's interested in the space kind of has an outline of zero to what the end goal is or what uh, there is no such thing as end goal in life. I don't think it's kind of a broken term, but what, what you're trying to achieve uh, in the long run. So I hope that was interesting because it was definitely interesting for me. So once again, thanks for your time. No, of course. Thank you.